I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcasts, and welcome back to your weekly Nerd Alert. It's week three of Star Wars week. Who's excited about that? I'm excited about that. Commander Scott, are you excited about that? I'm, I am excited, but I'm more curious as to how it's week three of Star Wars week. Um, you, you you know, because there's how only... dare you point out my flaws on air, sir? All right, cut. Take two, <laughs> week two or three, whatever fucking week this is. Star Wars month. Yay! Star Wars. <laughs> it's because uh, the doc used the uh, time machine to go back in time, so it's week three of Star Wars week. Oh, I see. We just keep reliving the same week over and over again. So it's like Star Wars Groundhog Day. Exactly. With us every day. Yes. Yeah. But at least. Yeah, that does sound like hell. But at least you're not starting your loop with somebody opening the door in your face and you running into the door. That That is true. There, there are worse ways. To start the week, uh, I am your host, Obi John Kenobi. If you haven't figured that out yet, and uh, joining me, the uh, other voice you're hearing is my right hand man, the man who keeps the nerdy and talk nerdy to me network. Uh, what did I call you last week? The Chewbacca of our crew, uh, Commander Scott. Something like that. So, uh, in honor of both our um, uh, subject matter for this month and. To clarify something that was mentioned last week, uh, we're going to talk real quick about the Parsec, because this is something that was brought up. Ooh. Parsec is, of course, a unit of length. Uh, not time. It is a unit of length. Something, thankfully, that the Solo movie did clarify. Uh, for those who needed it, clarified. It actually equals... Um, so it's it's a very large distance. Um, it's used to measure uh, these these astronomical distances between large astronomical objects outside of our solar system, and it is approximately equal to two hundred and ten thousand AUs. And we know what an AU is, right? Do we know this? Gold. No. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Gold finger. <laughs> no. Uh, 
So an AU is actually an astronomical unit, and the astronomical unit is equal to the distance uh, from Earth to the sun. Uh, it comes out to be somewhere around like 93 million miles or 499 light seconds. So 210,000 of those is approximately uh, one parsec. And uh, it, it, it's determined uh, by observing uh, uh, stellar motion uh, at one point, letting it move and going to another one, and it gives us an angle. Uh, and when that when the when the parallax angle of of those triangles uh, uh, subtend, which is where the two points draw together and stuff, anyway, at an angle of one arc second or one thirty six hundredth of a degree, that is uh, the the exact distance of a parsec. That's when you know something is a parsec away. Um, so. The nearest star to us, Proxima Centauri, is about 1.3 parsecs from us, or about 4.3 light years. So that is what a parsec actually is. Wasn't it also a British rock band? That I can't. The Allen Parsec Project? Uh, that, uh, that you got me. I have no idea. Sorry. I don't know anything about music. Wasting my A material on you. Uh, yes, yes. Well, if it's music, then yes, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, like I said, this is week three of one week. <laughs> this is week three of our ongoing Star Wars month of December. Uh, every show this week has been about something related to Star Wars, whether it be lightsabers or uh, expanded universe, the Star Wars that we used to know. Uh, this week, originally was going to be our favorite Star Wars games. And then Disney had other plans for us. Uh, so in case you're living under a rock, this past week, Disney had its Investor Day, which is normally not a super huge big deal to the public. But because we didn't have a, uh, a D23 or a you know any convention at all this year uh, to make big, cool announcements for, Investor Day became sort of the D23 Hall H Comic-Con equivalent of let's trot out our, our new toys for the public. And uh, we could spend an entire month breaking down everything that was announced during this, but we're going to focus this uh, specifically on what Kathleen Kennedy, uh, representing Lucasfilm, had to announce for the upcoming slate of projects being done under Lucasfilm. That being said, even limiting us to that, I think we're at 11 projects uh, announced or, or briefly updated. And those are just the ones they mentioned. That doesn't include the ones that they didn't say anything about, which I think brings us to like 12. Uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So to try to keep this organized, uh, I took notes while watching the entire presentation. Uh, it's only four pages, don't worry. Uh, and we're just going to go from the top as they were announced. Uh, we're going to let you know what we were told, everything concrete we know about these projects, some of which is not very much. Uh, and then we'll get to the fun part, which is wild fan speculation. So, right off the bat, the first thing announced during Investor Day, uh, I'm, I'm going to call this episode state of star wars episode two revenge of the streaming service uh 
because most of what we're going to talk about is coming direct to Disney Plus. Uh, but the first project uh, coming directly from the world of Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic. Uh, this is being produced by Filoni and Favreau, described as a spinoff of The Mandalorian, and that's about all we know. So, the fun part, wild speculation. Scott, would you like to speculate wildly about what the hell this show's about? Um, well, the only thing I've seen on it is the title card. Yep. Uh, These all have very cool logos, by the way. Uh, yeah. You can't see them because this is a podcast. But you yeah. should look them up. They're cool logos. Should yeah. So uh, the the title looks good. Um, uh, I I mean we know one of the ones we're going to talk about in a minute, and I'm not going to talk talk about it now. But is is of course the Bad Batch, which we've seen a little bit of. So I don't know if it's going to be somewhat in that uh, that vein, just on the New Republic side. You know, like if we're going to see something of the New Republic military. Probably those those guys with the green camo punch well, and stuff. The, that we... the, the direction that immediately popped into my head, uh, because, again, it's being described as a spinoff of The Mandalorian. So judging on what we've seen in Season 2 so far, and I'm not going to talk about Mandalorian much because we're going to do a whole breakdown on that later this month. Uh, but so far in Season 2, the only thing I've I've seen that would lead me to, okay, what would this spinoff be coming from that? Um, Cara Dune in season two is formally deputized as a, I don't know if we've ever been told what her title is, if she's a marshal or what, uh, but she's got a shiny new badge with the uh, Republic or um, rebellion logo on it. So based on that and the a couple of appearances we've seen of the random X-wing pilots out doing good in the universe. Uh, I think this series will probably focus on Cara Dune in her role as a ranger of the new Republic, sort of in the vein of the Texas Rangers in the early lawless days of the old West, uh, where the new Republic is still kind of forming and things are, you know, they're still getting their shit together. And they need people like Kara out there bringing law to the lawless and representing the new Republic in a lot of these outer rim territories. It's the only thing I can think of based on what we've seen. I could be completely wrong. Works for me. I mean, she's got an interesting looking badge. It's just yeah. big. It's like freaking. Like it looks like a car decal, like something someone would put on the hood of their car. Yes, it, it does. It looks like a car badge. It looks like somebody ripped it off of a, you know, like a, I don't know, a, a Corellian Buick. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I could see focusing on her. I could also see the, the only person, uh, and again, the, the title Ranger, I don't think we've heard anyone, anyone in the show referred to as a Ranger yet. Uh, but we have heard the term Marshall used a few times. And in fact, season one is called, or season two, episode one is called The Marshall. I would love to see um, Cobb Vanth come back into the series, uh, maybe partner up with Cara Dune. Uh, if we're doing a literal Old West Star Wars story, um, Timothy Oliphant is a good guy to go with. Timothy Oliphant is great. But if we get a show with Timothy Oliphant in it, you know, which I would love, we've got to have uh, Walter Goggins in the series as well. Somewhat. Agreed. 1,000%. Because those two on camera just 
are awesome. Uh, also throw Ian McShane in just for good measure. See, I'm not as big of an Ian McShane fan. Uh, I, I loved him in uh, in Deadwood, but uh, that's about all I like him in. <laughs> all right, then. Um, so, yeah, I believe that's set to air December of 2021. I could be totally wrong about that. Uh, they didn't really give solid dates for a lot of these. Um, they gave sort of either a year or a general time of the year. Uh, but I believe that one and the next one are both scheduled for December of next year. Um, so if we're done wildly speculating on the first show, we'll jump on to one that we maybe know a little bit more about. Uh, it should come as absolutely no surprise to anybody who knows anything about Star Wars. Um, but it's so funny to hear people who don't know about Star Wars uh, go off about this. Uh, so I'm going to take this from the standpoint of the uh, casual Star Wars idiot based solely on her one episode appearance in the Mandalorian that Ahsoka girl is getting her own show. Oh yeah. I, I, I thought she did a, she did a great job in that episode. Um, sure. would like to see more of that character. Yeah, if we could get more of that character. That uh, they invented just for Mandalorian. I, I mean, you know, there's so many questions like where does she get those, those lightsabers? Uh-huh. Uh, How did she survive Order 66? Survive Order 66. Um, yeah. Uh, how, yeah. How did, did she know Anakin? She know Yoda? I mean, <laughs> she, uh, uh, Grogu. Uh, yeah. Was no, she uh, Wars? We don't know. <laughs> Again, uh, this should be absolutely no surprise to anybody, but also described as a spinoff of Mandalorian, which is, I think, what's throwing people off, maybe, uh, produced by Filoni and uh, Favreau. And I, I would not be surprised if... Um, well, I'll get into that when I get into that. Um, we're going to focus on Ahsoka in live action, presumably with Rosario Dawson recurring as the character, which is part of why I, I, I when they cast Rosario Dawson, I knew this wasn't just going to be a one-off cameo. Um, that being said... Other than the title of the show, and it's a spinoff of Mandalorian, and it will air sometime December 2021. That's all we know can, for fact. Uh, I don't even know if they definitely said this was going to be live action, so it could be animated for all I freaking know. I don't think it will be, but it could be. It could be live action. Uh, just, just because of what they said uh, that I'll get to in a minute. But, um, well, yes. One of the things that I have with, with an Ahsoka series, you know. Uh, of course, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, I did love Rosario Dawson in the role, even though I think the voice actress would have been better. That's just a personal opinion. Um, For but, the record, I disagree. That's fine. But Dave Filoni has actually gone on record as saying that um, the the end of Rebels, the the mm-hmm. word, so. You know, where the, the storyline ends in Rebels in season yeah, four. Yeah, and then we get an epilogue. And then we get the epilogue, which takes place after the Battle of Endor. Mm-hmm. has actually has gone on record as saying that that epilogue, you know, most definitely can be after her appearance in Mandalorian. Yep. So the big so question we... be, is the series going to pick up from the epilogue where she picks up Sabine and then we see them going after Ezra or is it going to be the time in between where she's finding the information 
In other words, is the series going to end with her going to get Sabine? Is it going to end with that epilogue or end with that epilogue? That's... I don't think Filoni would say that if it wasn't for a reason. Uh, because even when uh, he used to horribly, horribly taunt fans with, is Ahsoka alive or not? Uh, there was a purpose for that. Um, I I absolutely think this series will focus on uh, Ahsoka. And I have no doubt we'll see Sabine in a guest starring role as they're trying to pick up the pieces in the immediate aftermath of Rebels. Of where is Ezra? Where's Thrawn? What, where do they go? So, um, so you think, I this think we'll will focus? Well, the series will will basically be after the Rebels epilogue. No, I think it will be before the epilogue. After it'll be in between. So it'll be the end of Rebels, then this series, then the epilogue. I see. I see. And, okay. I, I think the epilogue maybe we might circle back around to end of season one or maybe season two. Uh, I don't know what exactly Filoni has up his sleeve as far as the journey to finding those two. But I think that's that's the obvious, definite uh, answer. And uh, again, Filoni doesn't do things for no reason. So having Ahsoka drop the name Thrawn in Mandalorian, that's not arbitrary. That's yep. there for a reason. So yep. it's definitely going to be Ahsoka trying to figure out where Thrawn is. Thrawn and Ezra disappeared together, so stands to reason. Um. She's out there looking for him. Maybe, maybe she's following up what happened to Thrawn, and Sabine's out there following up what happened to Ezra, and at some point in the series they'll meet up and compare notes. I don't know. Uh, I, think but I, I think Ahsoka is primarily looking for Ezra. I mean, yeah, she, I mean, and she knows the best way to do that is to follow leads on Thrawn. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that works too. And I agree with you. That at least the, the first season is going to be prior to the Rebels epilogue. Now, yes. whether we catch up to the epilogue at the end of season one, at the end of season two, what have you, uh, that's going to depend on how well season one does and how well everything else is going at that time. Yeah, we'll see. Um, again, I'm excited for this. Uh, and, and what excites me the most is something that Kathleen Kennedy said um, after she announced these two series, is that um, they're both set within the timeline of The Mandalorian. Uh, They are considered interconnected shows, and all three will culminate in a, quote, cinematic story event. So the vibe I get from these shows is Rangers, Ahsoka, and Mando Mando is going to be where Filoni and Favreau get together and play. Rangers of the New Republic is where Favreau is going to go play. And Ahsoka is absolutely where Filoni is going to go play. Um, so they're, they're still going to be working on the Mandalorian together, but they've each got now their side project where they can explore the parts of the universe that they are more interested in and uh, get to run wild there and then eventually link everything back up together. And that makes me excited. Because uh, if Marvel taught us anything, it's if you can interconnect your toys, you should do it. Well, it, it, it taught us, or it taught them, that audiences can handle that level of complexity. Yes. Uh, 
and again, not to go too far into it, but I think season two of Mandalorian has has shown that uh, when it comes to getting deep into the lore, uh, you can do that without alienating your casual fans. Uh, there was a, an article not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, about how uh, viewership on Disney Plus of Clone Wars and Rebels goes up every time there's a reference to one of those characters on Mandalorian. So post Bo-Katan showing up, Rebels viewership shot up. Post Ahsoka, Rebels and uh, uh, Clone Wars viewership shot up. So people aren't just neglecting, oh, who's that? They're, they're literally going back and, who's that? Oh, okay, I should watch this then. So it's, it's doing the thing you want to happen that rarely does happen, which is people are actually going back and doing their homework on these characters. They're not being scared off by them. It's encouraging them to go back into the, the Disney vault and, uh, and dig deeper. Yeah, we just need to see, like, you know, Aladdin and Simba and all them show up now. Uh, <laughs> what you do is you get the reality stone, and then uh, that whole Patton... Have you, did you ever see Patton Oswald's uh, filibuster on Parks and Rec? I did not. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? I know what Parks and Rec is, and I know who... Okay. <laughs> okay. I know what you... a filibuster is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... Look it up on YouTube. There's a scene in, in one uh, season where um, uh, his character, he's like a random townie, is filibustering. It's like a, a park or something. Um, and uh, his they, they basically told Pat and Oswald, okay, we're just going to start recording and just go. Just, just whatever you want to say, just go. We'll keep rolling. And he goes on this huge diatribe about what the new Star Wars sequels should be. And then he starts to weave this universe where, using the Infinity Stones, you weave together Star Wars and Marvel and something else. And it's like he goes on for like 15 minutes <laughs> before he just literally just runs out of energy and just stops. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm done. I got nothing else. Uh, and but but it's it's hilarious to watch. But uh, as funny as that was then, it's only a matter of time. Um, I for one can't wait to see Buzz Lightyear hanging out with the Avengers. So, I mean, Stitch um, isn't going to catch himself. It's all I'm saying. Uh, but we'll move on. Keep this train rolling because we got a lot to cover. Um, so the next one announced, uh, which is already is the new uh, streaming series Andor, focusing on the character of Cassian Andor from Rogue One which I believe is currently set for a 2022 air date. Uh, let's see, we're filming now. Diego Luna's back as Cassian Andor. It's being uh, directed and produced by Tony Gilroy from the Bourne Identity series, and it's being described as a Star Wars spy thriller, focusing on, quote, the building of a revolution. Uh, and curiously, no mention of Alan Tudyk. Coming back as K2SO. Let's, let's face it, it's the, star, it's the star of that movie. So, hoping that was just an oversight. Now, one thing I would love to see is the story where they meet. Yes. Good. Absolutely. Um, but we definitely need Alan Tudyk uh, voicing that character. And it's just voice work. So, it shouldn't be that difficult to get him. Mm, you should get him to come back in the okay. I mean, you know. I've seen Con Man. He's he's hard up for. 
Oh. Uh, look, you might as well just call the show K2 because that's what we wanted to see more of. Okay, Ask anybody who watched that at the theater after Rogue One, hey, what do you want to see more of? The answer is going to be K2. And how dare you kill him off? I cried more when K2 died than any human character in that whole movie. Any. He did have a good death, though. He did. But he's a robot, so bring him back. Uh, but no, so this is obviously set before the events of Rogue One. Uh, and if you haven't seen Rogue One, why are you listening to this show? Uh, but obviously, you know why it's set prior to the events of Rogue One. So I'm intrigued by this. Uh, I, I like the way it's being described as a spy thriller. Uh, because I think very much with the uh, same thought process as with the Marvel movies, is if we're going to do all these Star Wars series, they've all got to have their own unique flavor to them. So if Rangers of the New Republic and Mandalorian are a little more of that gunslinger Old West kind of feel to them, then Cassian Andor can't also be a space western, or we're going to get burned out. So I like the fact that it's being described as a spy thriller. And they brought in Tony Gilroy from the Bourne series, who's obviously got experience doing spy thriller stuff. Um, and it, I think it'll be interesting. We've seen from a lot of different angles at this point how the rebellion comes together, but we've yet to see the rebellion actually come together. Like we, we've seen bits and pieces, we've seen little uh, um, uh, splinter factions. But we've yet to see everything swirled and come together to what we know it is when we get there in, in episode four. So hopefully this series pushes us there. I'm and, hope- and, go ahead. Sorry, I'm hoping uh, that one of the people they bring back, both actress and character, is the uh, the lady that played the young Mon Mothma, because she nailed that role. They did announce Mon Mothma. I do not remember the name of the actress, but I think it's the same actress. So, yes, uh, you will see Mon Mothma. Uh, no mention of, um, uh, shit, what's his name? Bale or Ghana. I can't think of it. Jimmy Smith. Uh, no mention of if he's coming back or not. But, again, that might be a second season thing. Uh, I don't know how long any of these shows are supposed to go for. Or if they're, There's a couple that were described as event series, so I assume those are limited and were one and done. Um, but Andor, I don't believe they described as that. So maybe in season two we'll get a little more of that. But but again, um, I think Cassian's an interesting character. He's 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 very much in a moral gray area of the Star Wars universe. Who's you know he's serving an ideal. That is just and noble, but he's doing bad things in service of that just and noble. So some interesting things you can play with there. Um, I mean, the fact that in, in the opening scene of uh, of Rogue One, you know, he he kills, you know, uh, his own informant. His own informant. <laughs> yeah. So we, we know that Cassian Andor is uh, very willing to to make the tough decisions to do what he has to in extreme situations. So. Yeah, he's very much a ends justify the means kind of guy, which which I like, I enjoy. I feel like that's uh, you know harkens back to uh, Han shot first kind of mentality. Um, so yeah, definitely some cool stuff that can can come from there. Uh, but K two, where we riot right now? I'm just, I'm just marking my flag. There's no K two. I ain't watching that show. Jerks. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think that's all I have for Andor. Yeah. All right, on to the main event, the only show that really freaking matters around here. The, the, long is, rumored. Is long, this the, the Rose? Yes, the Rose Tico series. 
Woohoo! Fans have been clamoring for for Gross. for year. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, Obi Wan Kenobi uh, set to air 2022. It's going to begin filming as of now in January. They'll start shooting. Um, this is one of those events, quote, uh, which they didn't explain what that means, but I'm assuming it means if it's whatever, six episodes, eight episodes, ten episodes, it's those episodes and we're done. There will not be a second season. This is a limited series. Um, excuse me, set ten years after the events of episode three. So it gives us a nice firm timeline there. Uh, the big news confirmed Hayden Christensen will return as Darth Vader being billed as, quote, the rematch of the century. Uh, yeah. Yay, Vader. Curious, they, they and I, I, the thing that caught a lot of people is uh, Kathleen Kennedy specifically said returning as Darth Vader. She did not mention returning as Anakin. Now, I'm of the mindset, you don't get Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen back together and not shoot at least one Anakin Obi-Wan flashback. Just because otherwise we're never going to see Hayden Christensen's face. And if Mando has taught us anything, it's we'll give him at least one scene with their helmet off so you know it's them. So I feel like there's at least one flashback that we'll be filming. but Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I'm just curious, you know, uh, the entire thing be set on Tatooine. Um, I, I feel like it won't because, you know, we're going to get Vader and, and I, I kind of feel like if if Vader had gone to Tatooine and confronted Obi-Wan there, then that would leave a huge gaping plot hole to be filled. Yeah. So if they're going to, it's going to have to be off world somewhere. Uh, absolutely agree. Um, I, and that's what excites me about this show is first of all, it's my, obviously my absolute favorite character in the entire Star Wars universe is getting his own event series. Um, I'm just excited to see you McGregor come back and pick up the lightsaber again. I'm really excited. There's this big gap in the timeline of Obi-Wan that, yes, in Legends, they kind of fill it in. And even in the current canon comic books, they kind of fill in some of the gaps. But it never sit, sat right with me, the idea of Obi-Wan spending decades just sitting on this planet watching Luke grow up. But not not training Luke or helping Luke, just just watching him from afar. Like that, just it it doesn't sit right. This is a guy whose entire moral code is is to go out in the universe and do good. Um, so the fact that no, he he it, it looks like he he didn't just sit on his ass and tattooing for twenty years. Uh, that excites me. Um, but there's so many potentials in story here, and the fact that we're just going to see Vader on screen in live action again. And, and what I'm assuming is going to be a fairly sizable role uh, because they're bringing Hayden Christensen back. And if it was just Vader in one scene in a cameo, I don't think we'd bring Hayden Christensen back. So uh, that and it's being called the rematch of the century. So I'm even more excited now. Maybe that uh, the, uh, it'll add some, some new context to the, the lightsaber duel in episode four which I love, even though it's the first lightsaber duel we've ever seen, it's quickly becoming <laughs> the, the most outdated lightsaber duel we've ever seen. Um, so, a, yeah. Somebody else that I think I think we're going to see in this series, mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to see Yoda at least, in at least one episode of this. 
do I believe that Yoda is going to leave Dagobah? No, I don't. Um, but you know, Yoda has demonstrated in, in other, uh, canon, uh, uh, episodes and such that he can project himself to other places. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, but I think we're going to get one episode, uh, where Obi-Wan visits Yoda on Dagobah because, and the reason I say this, and one thing I think the series is kind of going to focus on, or at least it should, maybe not focus on, but it's at least kind of revolve around it is at the end of episode three, you know, watching over Luke was not Obi-Wan's only mandate on Tatooine. He sure. had he had training that he had. Very to, true. Huh? So, yeah. So I, I also think we're going to get maybe Obi-Wan communing with Qui-Gon. So I think we're going to get a Liam Neeson voiceover. I don't know if we'll get full-on Force Ghost uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, but we're going to get Liam Neeson voiceover, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get... I, I think we're going to get a visit to Yoda on Digimon. Once the plot, which would be a, yeah, and, and I agree that would be a prime place for the ghost of Qui Gon to pop up, uh, because we know Dagobah has a connection with the Force. That would be awesome. Uh, everything you just said, Scott. Yes, I want that. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. My predictions. Uh, no, th- those all sound totally plausible, and I'm excited for every single one of them. Uh, I mean, look, I just I'm I'm over the moon here. Uh, I never thought I'd get to see this, and it's it was rumored for so long, and then then uh, you know, at one point this was going to be a movie, and then the solo thing happened, and they scrapped all these ideas. I was like, well, no, that's a good story. We still want to see that story. I'm just so glad we didn't give up on this. Um, so I'm very excited about that. We're now on page two, moving right along, because, God, we have a lot to go. Uh, it's okay. Some of these there's nothing to say about. So the next big thing, and something else I, I didn't think I wanted until I saw the trailer, um, The Bad Batch, who made their debut in the last season of The Clone Wars, will now be starring in their own animated series coming to Disney+, Plus. I think in 2021. Uh, and we did get a full-out trailer for The Bad Batch, which was not just rehashed footage from episodes of Clone Wars. So this is fairly well along in production uh, that they've got at least an episode or two already ready to cut a trailer with. So uh, this will be new missions in a rapidly changing galaxy. Um, the thing that got me really intrigued with this was the scene where we see the clone army watching the hologram of Palpatine giving his speech that the Republic will now be reordered into the first galactic empire. And we're seeing that moment from the point of view of the clone troopers. That gave me goosebumps. It was a nice scene. Um, Personally, I was not a big fan of the Bad Batch in Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, In the last season of Clone Wars, uh, for a couple of reasons. One is... uh, I was literally like, come on, Dad, I don't care. Let's just get to Ahsoka. I want to know what the hell. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, 
I'm like, I, I don't care about these people. I don't know who they are. You're shoehorning them in in the last season of a story I want to see. So I really didn't care. They, they felt a little gimmicky. Um, I, I think this being their own series is going to change my mind on it, but we'll see. Uh, I, I have a feeling that it's going to be, and I, I can't remember, I think you may have said this at one point in one of our discussions. Uh, it's basically going to kind of be the A-team in space. Um, I don't know. Hopefully with a, a bitch in space van. With a bitch in space van, exactly. Um, but that'll be the kind of missions that they go on. Uh, but I, I do look forward to seeing the whole, uh, maybe not birth of, but the the the, the rise of the empire. The, the trans- yeah. How how do you transition an entire government, an entire military, entire army from? the Republic to the empire. That, that's one thing like in the movies we see, okay, the clone troopers and say, Oh, okay. Those, those become the stormtroopers. Got it. Cool. But we've never actually seen that happen. It's either in one era or the other, uh, or, or the most we get is maybe when, when um, we meet up with Rex and his, his crew in rebels, when they're still the old clones coming up against stormtroopers and you know rex commenting on how crappy their armor is and the bad their blasters are and stuff which i thought was funny but i feel like that's a really big uh, um really interesting time period to set this in um part of me kind of preferred as we were seeing it from the point of view of rex because i know him and i care about him and i don't really care about the bad batch but it's a felony series so i'm sure by the end of it i will uh i just think it's a really cool time period to set this in and that, that's a Again, a, a a thing we all assume happened, but we never really stopped. Well, how did this happen, and how did that affect people? Uh, we know at some point we transitioned away from an all clone army to an all recruit, or you know, recruit with air quotes uh, army. How did that happen? Um, there's also some interesting things in the trailer itself. I think we might get our first canon view of a light whip. From a question that is mostly for Banny since he brought it up in the lightsaber episode, but I, th- I think we see a light whip in this episode. And then uh, <clears throat> I didn't go back to freeze frame it to look, but I think we see a Mandalorian character pop up in this. <coughs> um, uh, Fennec, the uh, uh, assassin lady, uh, played by Mulan uh, in Mando. I think that's her in a couple of shots. So I think she might be in at least one episode of this. She's wearing that weird helmet thing she suddenly has in season two of Mandalorian. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know. Yeah, because we know that eventually the uh, the the clones are phased out. They stop using them. Um, so by episode four, uh, where the you know the 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 saga kind of picks up. Uh, we know that up until the, that at that point, the, the stormtroopers are no longer clones. Um, that they are, you know, children, you know, that are taken from younger ages and put through the academies and and trained up to be stormtroopers. Um, and we also know that the uh, the the Senate remains largely intact, um, all the way up until ep- episode four, because episode four is what involves the Senate. So, yeah, seeing I want whether or not they'll cover any of the political machinations going on uh, on Coruscant or not, uh, we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on then. 
Um, I was initially very excited for this until I learned what it was, and I'm still excited for it, but not quite as much. Uh, another animated series that was announced uh, that I also believe is a limited series, um, Star Wars Visions. Uh, first, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> it is 10 animated short films uh, from acclaimed anime directors. I don't think they named a single one of them, but 10 acclaimed anime directors uh, doing short films, exploring Star Wars from a different cultural point of view. Um, basically, it sounds like the Animatrix, but for Star Wars. I think I've already seen some of these uh, uh, these these shorts on um, uh, Pornhub. But uh, I think that's a different Star Wars short. Uh, I don't think Space Horrors is going to be on there. It's not not the same. I, I don't think so. Well, I could be wrong. I don't I know. And they were they were quite nice. I don't think we'll see Jabba the Nut. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got to text my artist friend. I want to see that. <laughs> oh God damn it. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be one of those under the table t-shirts at the conventions um, so what I thought this was initially and don't get me wrong I'm all for seeing some anime Star Wars because why not uh, the Animatrix was a really cool project again this sounds very much like that what I thought this was uh, at one point Dark Horse printed a series of Star Wars comics that were basically Marvel what if for the Star Wars universe uh, each one took one of the movies in the trilogy if a key moment had gone differently. I think one was, what if Luke missed the shot at the Death Star? One was, what if Luke dies and Leia becomes trained? One was, what if Luke goes to the dark side? Um, so I thought this was going to be a what-if series for Star Wars, which is we go through Star Wars and do a bunch of what-if scenarios. You know, like, the, what if Anakin was trained by Qui-Gon? You know, what if Obi-Wan had been killed instead of Qui-Gon? Things like that. Um, cause I love all those. I love what if scenarios. I love seeing them played out. I love them. Um, so it's not that. So check that. Um, but again, could be an interesting project. Um, that's all I got. Um, well, if you want to see Luke, if you want to do a, what if of Luke turning to the dark side, just go, uh, grab dark horses, uh, dark empire. Uh, uh, I've got it. It's a good story. It's uh, it's fun to read. Um, it'll make uh, Rise of Skywalker make a little more sense. <laughs> uh, the other part of that coin to make Rise of Skywalker make even more sense will be um, uh, the original Thrawn trilogy, specifically uh, Dark Force Rising, um, which I think is the second book. Yeah. Uh, and between those two, you'll get about 35 to 40% of the last gen. The other 60%, yeah, we got no fucking idea. Yeah. Well, but moving right along. But yeah, hey, what if? Not bad. Uh, we'll see what happens when it comes out. Uh, not what I'm really looking forward to, but uh, if it's not, I'll watch it. Yeah, this may end up being the present I never knew I wanted until I got it. So, uh, moving right along. Here's one that I would be excited about if we knew anything more about it. 
This is another thing being billed as, quote, an event series. So I think this is going to be a limited, we're, we're one and done, one and out. Um, still in development from the creator of Dear White People, Lando getting his own Disney Plus series. No, I don't know which Lando. I don't know if this is Billy D. Williams or Childish Gambino. I don't know. Uh, they did not tell us. Uh, or if it's a whole new actor. I don't know. Uh, I just know Lando's getting a series. Well, if it if it is, you know, if we are going to see young Lando, younger Lando, it had better be Danny Glover's son because he just did a beautiful job. So, uh, I, I love Glover's not Danny Glover's son. <laughs> want to see? I want to see more of him in this in this role. Uh, no, I I agree. Um, and, and if it announced it was it was starring Donald Glover, I would be a little more excited about it. Uh, if they announced it was going to be like Billy D. Williams and him in the same show, like doing flashbacks or something, if they would have told us anything about the show other than it's Lando, I'd be really excited for it because I think that character is one of the um, very underserviced characters in Star Wars and one that you could definitely build an entire show around. Um, I'm a, I, I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um but again, without knowing which version of Lando it is or what in the timeline it is or what the vibe is they're going for, is this going to be like a uh, um, like a crime thing? Is this Lando like being a, a star setting gambler? Like, is, is, is this like Ocean's Eleven and Star Wars? Like, you know, with some of these projects, they would give us you know, a little bit like, the, you know, they described Andor as... Uh, um, spy thriller in the Star Wars universe. Okay, that gives me an idea of what the tone and the feel of the show will be. We didn't get anything like that for Lando, so I have no idea what this is going to be. Um, well, very big question mark, yeah. Personally, um, I mean, yeah, seeing Lando as, as, as the gambler would be fun, but as far as the overall story is concerned, we, we know that they're mining and have mined and will continue to mine uh, story ideas and, and, and plots and, and tidbits from the, the old EU, the, the legends uh, novels and such. And there was a novel that came out right, like literally right before the buyout um, uh, called Scoundrels. Uh, and it's, it's Lando putting together an Ocean's Eleven type heist of, you know, popular, uh, smugglers and, and bounty hunters and such from Star Wars. Uh, of course, uh, Han and Chewie are, are in that. Uh, I don't look for Han and Chewie to be in in uh, the Lando series. Um, but there's plenty of other characters that, that they could pull in for this. And if that is the case, if they did do a Ocean's Eleven style heist uh, and it's set in the right time period, um, uh, they'd I would definitely love to see Hondo uh, in that group. Hondo making his live action appearance would be awesome. Yeah, I feel like if we're going to get a Hondo, it's either going to be in the Lando series or Filoni's going to hold him uh, until we finally get Ezra back, whenever, whatever project that is. Yeah, I could, I could see him in uh, Ahsoka as well. Um, no, God, that'd be awesome. Uh, of all the, if, if we're going to start continue this trend of animated characters coming to live action, Hondo should be top of that list. Um, 
if for nothing else, it'll maybe make Galaxy's Edge a cool place to visit so you can go. Yeah. The animatronic of him. I say giant. He's life size. He's, he's like a person. He's, he's like, he's like one five, nine. He's not like giant. <clears throat> but yeah, um, again, lots of potential for this series. I'm excited for it. Um, we'll put a pin in that Han Solo thing because um, I have a section at the end about stuff we didn't hear anything about. So. Uh, tip my hand there. Uh, our next series, something else we don't know a lot about, but I'm interested in simply because of the time period set in, is a series called The Acolyte. Uh, Leslie Headland will be show running it. She did uh, Russian Doll, if you haven't seen it, it's a cool movie. Um, it will be, hold on, Emerging Dark Side Powers in the Final Days of the High Republic Era. rumored to be featuring a female lead um so again not a whole lot to go on here well you know i i would uh i would i would react more to this uh this announcement if we've actually gotten some stuff from the high republic era and i actually had any any context at all in which to put this in um but i don't because we still haven't gotten anything from the High Republic. So when we do get the novels from the High Republic, we still don't know what part of this era is it set in. Is it set at the height, the pinnacle, the golden age of the High Republic? Is it set at the dawning of the age of the High Republic? Because we know that the Acolyte is at the end of it. So we know it's ending. But... Yep. Um, again, just because this is set in that time period and, and the High Republic, I feel like, is very much becoming Lucasfilm's new answer to the Old Republic and the Old EU. Uh, stories set far enough back, we can make new characters and tell new stories with impunity. It doesn't matter if they match up to the saga that comes down the road or not, uh, with a few exceptions, because, you know, marketing, we want to have characters you recognize, so, you know, Yoda's going to be there. Um but I'm interested to see this this era play out. Um, it does, again, tip their hand a bit towards, I guess, potential stories in the, the High Republic era. Because, at least for now, the, the big initial story they're telling in High Republic doesn't feature, we don't think, uh, Sith. It, it, it features a group that's being built as space Vikings running amok among the universe and the, the Jedi trying to stop them. Um, so this does kind of tip their hand with, again with the way they phrase it emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic I think maybe tips the hand as to what ended the High Republic um, but I don't know I, I'm, I'm curious to see what this era is like I love the art from this stuff alone right now enough to buy everything from it uh, I love the look of the more medieval Jedi uh, I love the physical cross card on the lightsaber. I don't care if it makes sense or not. It looks cool. Uh, and as we discussed two weeks ago, that's all that matters with lightsabers. It doesn't look cool. Um, so I'm excited to see, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy the novels. I'm going to buy the comics. But the fact that we're going to see something from this era actually in live action on screen, that that sounds cool to me. Um yeah, so I'm curious if this series 
Because you said this one was was one of the ones that's built as the, the the limited series thing. This one was not. No, the Lando one was built as an event series. Um, because I'm curious if what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and and because we know that the 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 era of the Republic um came on the heels of uh. Uh, the 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 war with the Sith, where the 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 Jedi uh, all but destroyed the Sith with the the Battle of uh, Malachor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm curious if the end of the High Republic is going to transition into the the birth of the Sith and the age the the era of the era of the Sith the Sith Empire, and I. Just, see it you know on screen like really getting into the the sith empire on screen because it would happen over probably several centuries but mm-hmm. what i'm saying if, if that's the what they're going to try for is you know, hey here's the here's the seeds that will grow into what will become the sith some have speculated and i don't know where he would fit into that but it might the the acolyte may end up being darth revan who's a very, very popular character in the expanded universe, who I believe up till now is still relegated to the legends universe. Um, I think he might've made it like a cameo appearance in a, uh, a force vision in an episode of clone wars, maybe. Um, but that this might be the reimagining of that character. I don't know. None of us know. <clears throat> we'll have to wait till 2023 to find out. I think. So by then, hopefully, we have at least one book from the High Republic, so we know what is ending uh, and if we should be sad about it or not. Well, theoretically, uh, it should be coming out in a few weeks. Fingers crossed. All right, moving on. Um, probably the thing I'm least excited about, because it's an aspect of Star Wars I don't really care about, but I get it. It's a big part of Star Wars. Uh, this is billed as a joint production between Industrial Light and Magic and Lucasfilm Animation. A droid story uh, featuring a new hero guided by R2 and 3PO. Eh. I, I, I swear agree. to God we already did this once in the uh, the 80s. I swear to God. Pretty sure it was called Droids. Yep, yep. And no one cared about it then? Nope. No one cared. see where I'm going with this. Not at all. Uh, uh, look, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, even in Clone Wars and stuff, I I didn't really care for all droid episodes. I mean, look, R two and three PO are great to watch together. They're one of the great comedy duos of all time. Uh, they're fun supporting characters. I don't think we need to make them leads, and I don't think when again, this feels like this is going to be a children's show. And if that's the purpose, fine, go for it. I don't care. Um, because that is one thing I will say is, is don't forget Star Wars is a, a fandom, a property that kids of all ages are supposed to be able to get into. And things like Bad Batch, yeah, it's animated, but is it really for kids? Uh, some of these things, like the Acolyte, uh, it c- could get kind of dark, maybe not necessarily for the kids. Not that they'll be like, hardcore r-rated inappropriate for kids but maybe not the kind of thing younger kids want so maybe droid story is our way of having a cute cuddly new droid character bb8 
uh, introduced uh, to get kids on board Star Wars at a young age. You know, get them hooked while they're young, like the rest of us did. Um, I don't know. I'm probably the least excited about that as I am from anything. So we'll move right along. Okay. Down to it. Uh, so everything I talked about up to this point is all coming to Disney+. Plus. They are all streaming shows or event series or a limited series. Uh, you you got to get Disney Plus to watch those. The next two I'm going to talk about are theatrical releases. If you're scratching your head, uh, there's these things called movie theaters where you go to to watch a movie in the proper format uh, in a room with other people who were there to watch the movie, uh, not to play on their goddamn phone. Or whatever, you know, crochet. Not that I'm targeting anybody specifically with that one. <clears throat> My wife. Uh, you're just there to watch the movie with the highest possible uh, resolution of your screen and the best audio money can buy. Uh, sounds crazy, I know. Leave your house to go watch a movie? What? But uh, trust me, it's better this way. Um, the first one, and I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch these up a little bit because there's one that we have absolutely nothing to say about, and one I think we're gonna have a lot to say about. Um, so, firmly mark this in the TBD question mark category. <clears throat> the as of yet untitled Star Wars film from Taika Waititi. Um, we all a... love. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say the title is a bit long. Uh... <laughs> Uh, uh, I have a hard time saying that. You know Taika Wakitaki. Uh, he's the guy that made uh, uh, Thor Ragnarok. And um, uh, oh, shit, what is that one called? Uh, not Into the Wilderness. Uh, fuck. Well, ah, damn it. I forgot the name. Um, what We Do in the Shadows, the, the show that became an FX series, uh, great vampire comedy. Uh, it's the something of the wilder people or something. It's a, it's a Sam Neill comedy. It's it's awesome. Hold on, Taiko, walkie talkie. Taiko walkie talkie. Um, Hunt for the wilder people. There we go. God, sorry. Um, it was announced, I believe, last year uh, that he is. Uh, oh, and Jojo Rabbit, obviously. Um, that he's working on a Star Wars film. It's described as, quote, fresh, unexpected, and unique. Uh, and he is currently hard writing this next adventure. So we it got a cool-looking logo, but they basically went out of their way just to say, hey, we don't know what it is or who's in it or what it's about or when it's going to be out. Uh but Taika Waititi is working on a movie for us, so we got that going for us, oh. which is nice. As long as it has Korg in it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm certain there'll be a director cameo. Is he playing IG-11? We don't know. We'll find out. Because <sighs> Korg was the best part of uh, Thor Ragnarok. Shut your mouth. No, no, it wasn't. The, I fell in love with Korg the minute that he said, you know, he tried to hold that one, like a previous uprising, but he didn't distribute enough flyers and no one showed up. Which, except for his mom, except for his mom, and your boyfriend. <laughs> oh god! Yeah. 
Uh, Star Wars universe, I think. I'm excited for it, uh, but have no idea what it is. So, like, I'm just glad Taika Waititi gets to play with more toys. Uh, He's directed, I believe, two episodes of Mando. Um, I think he did one in each season. So he's he's shown he he can put aside the the Taika Waititi craziness, uh, and and he doesn't have to make everything a joke all the time, uh, which is my one kind of fear coming off Thor Ragnarok. Um, But yeah, without knowing what it is. What it's about, who's in it, when it's coming. Uh, I guess I'm as excited as you can be. Uh, Hopeful. So, uh, and then we'll conclude with what I believe my co host is going to have a lot to say about. uh, Currently billed for December 2023 theatrical release from Patty Jenkins, director of Wonder Woman, Rogue Squadron. I am excited for Rogue Squadron. You know, I mean, I, I I don't know much about the director. I don't know what else she's done, but just the fact that her father flew F4s and she grew up in in, in that uh, mindset and around that type of people, you know, of uh, fighter pilots and squadrons and stuff, which is exactly what Rogue Squadron needs to be. It needs to be, first and foremost, a fighter pilot military movie. Uh, it needs to be Top Gun with X-Wings. And one A wing. <laughs> I I say one A wing because because in the novels, uh, which I really hope it's the novels, uh, uh, by uh, I believe Chuck Wendig wrote the first five or six, uh, and then I forget who wrote the second, basically half of the series, uh, but Chuck Wendig set the tone for that series, uh. And you know you got pilot jargon once again. This is where you get the uh, the, the 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 pilot nicknames for the, uh, the the tie fighters as eyeballs, the tie interceptors as, as squints, things of that nature. Um, uh, <clears throat> my only concern with this is when will the, the movie be set? What time period? It'll have to be sometime after episode four, because. In episode four and prior to episode four, Rogue Squadron did not exist. The first glimpse we get of Rogue Squadron is at the beginning of episode five. Uh, when um, Luke and Han are, are found uh, on Hoth by Rogue Two. Um, and depending on when they said it, how are they going to handle Wedge? The character of Wedge has to be there somewhere. Um, in the novels, once again, he was the leader of Rogue Squadron. Uh, I know, of course, the actor is is, is older now. Uh, so that's why I said it's going to weigh heavily on when this is set. Will it be after Wedge leaves the squadron and he's more of a mentor? Um, and he just makes an appearance or something here and there. But somebody else is leading the squadron. Uh, but yeah, so, and in the novels, you had a, a younger pilot, Corin Horn, who was the maverick of the, uh, of the group, uh, because Wedge was the leader of Rogue Squadron. He was an officer. He was well-respected. He was battle-hardened. You know, he had flown, uh, in, in both Death Star, uh, attacks. Uh, so Corin Horn was the maverick. He was the young guy. So, you know, who are they going to get? 
is it going to be Corrin Horn? Are they going to come up with a new character? Uh, I don't know. Um, but the in the novels, the squadron had one A-wing pilot, uh, and he was the 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 co-squadron leader. Uh, his name was Tycho Kelchier, and uh, he was piloting the A-wing that you see in uh, Return of the Jedi that uh, follows the Millennium Falcon uh, and 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 then into the Death Star. So, yeah. I do love that meme that went around for a while uh, with Luke boasting about how great of a pilot he was, and Wedge just popped in and said, I blew up a Death Star too, Luke. <laughs> um, I've seen that one. Yeah. Uh, well, look, Wedge got a cameo in um, um, Rise of Skywalker, so we know the actor can still sit in a cockpit set and pretend he's flying. Um, there was one line of dialogue, and again, it's kind of vague. Uh, well, not dialogue, but one line, a descriptive line, uh, a log line, I guess you'd call it. Uh, this will introduce a new generation of fighter pilots as they earn their wings. So... Is this is this sequel trilogy era? Is it post sequels? Is it again? There's still a lot of you know. It's a new generation, okay, but there's still a lot, a lot of wiggle room in there. Because um, um, I also have written down wedge question mark Luke question mark. Um, so yeah, per- I don't know. Personally, I would I would kind of like to see. I would like to see the story being the reformation of Red Squadron into Rogue Squadron after the Battle of the First Death Star. Um, Maybe, you know, and and you have to have some kind of a tie-in line somewhere that that ties the the naming of the squadron after the Rogue One mission, because they're the ones that got the the, the Death Star plans to them. Maybe they they named it the the Rogue Squadron um, in honor of them, uh, I don't know, but I don't know. That's where I would put it. Yeah. Once again, uh, with Wedge, Wedge being older, you'd have to have the actor de-aged or recast. I know you're in favor of recasting. Um, I like the de-aging stuff that they're doing, and, and I think the only way for that technology to get better is for more directors to use it. Yes, but the inherent flaw with that is, and they even said this when Marvel was working on Captain Marvel, is to get really good de-aging, we need lots of reference material of that actor at that certain age. Which is why we could de-age Samuel L. Jackson back to 90s Samuel L. Jackson, because we had plenty of reference material for what Samuel L. Jackson looked like in the 90s. Depending on what era they're trying to de-age Wedge to, there may not be a lot to work with. Well, in that case, you know, take the actor uh, and Botox the hell out of him. <laughs> or just cast a new actor. It'll be okay. No, it won't. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> I need Uncle Obi-Wan. Yeah, just cast someone from Ewan McGregor's family. It's fine. <laughs> um, all right, then. So there are a couple of things that were not mentioned at all that we are going to firmly wildly speculate about because that's when the show gets fun. Uh, first, and I talked about this a little bit when we, when we were talking about Lando and what is Lando. Uh, it's been rumored for a very long time 
that the possible Han Solo sequel movies may be uh, being reworked into a solo Disney Plus series because and before the movie bombed at the box office, we've already had whole discussions about the show. We don't think it's that movie's fault. We think the movie itself is just fine. Um, I, I, I think there's still cool stories to tell in that universe. Um, so it's been a big rumor that those sequel ideas are going to get turned into their own Disney series. There was zero mention of that at all during investor day, whether that means it's not happening or it's just not far enough along that it's worth talking about yet. I don't know. Roll the dice. Um, but nothing was said about that. Um, I think it would be a loss. I think it would be really cool. I think uh, the actors deserve a chance. Uh, if we can get Ray Park back as uh, live action, Darth Maul again, it's all gravy to me, man. Yeah, with with uh, uh, Darth Maul and uh, Kira and, and everything uh, being as embedded with, um, uh, I almost said, uh, I almost said Black Sun. It's not Black Sun. Uh, Crimson Sun. Crimson, right? Crimson Dawn. Crimson. Okay. Uh, with that crime syndicate as as much as possible. Uh, there is a lot of good stuff to be mined from both the Han Solo trilogy and the, uh, I think it was the trilogy. The other trilogy was called Han Solo in the corporate sector, uh, where he dealt with the crime syndicates and, uh, and everything, uh, that they could, they could tell some really good stories. Uh, I think I would love to see a couple of more movies. I'd love to see three more movies. I'd love to see a whole trilogy, now that the first movie sets up kind of a status quo with a lot of that stuff. Um, but series is fine. Um, I love what they're doing with the series. Um, yeah, as long as they're in, in this one thing, Mandalorian showed everybody is this, this new amazing technology of Lucasfilm's developed uh, the volume is what they call it. It's the, you know, the, the giant uh, LCD screens, which is essentially super high tech. And I think you and I talked about this, like the super high tech new version of rear projection. Um, but it allows you to shoot stuff really fast with very little post-production work with a small crew. Uh, they did say they're building three new volume uh, production studios all across the world. Uh, there's one in London. I think they're building one in Atlanta, and there's a third one somewhere. Um, <clears throat> so if you're wondering, well, how are they going to deliver all these streaming series in the middle of a pandemic, even though we're maybe kind of on the start of the outs of the pandemic? That's how. Uh, the same way they were able to get Mandalorian done on time is by shooting in the volume. Um, so that's why these movies are set very far from now. You know, We're looking at two, three years at least for these movies are set to come out. Uh, the Taika Waititi film, the giant question mark, uh, but the streaming shows we can, we can reasonably get done on a, in a timely fashion. Uh, literally there was, they finished shooting Mandalorian in October and season two started airing in, uh, uh, the, I can't words are hard. That was it November. We started airing. For Mandalorian 2 of Mandalorian? I believe so. Yeah, so under a year turnaround on that, which is insane. So uh, why is nobody else, this just popped in my head, why is nobody else pointing out that Taiko Waititi's last name sounds like that that uh, sound that the Jawa makes in, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
episode four. You know, it's Tycho. What do I don't know, Scott. Why don't you email Lucasfilm about that? I mean, that, that needs to be a thing now. Or maybe that's the entire premise of his movie. It's just that sound. <laughs> what that yes, sound for for two hours. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, one other huge potentially I could be making a mountain out of a molehill I don't know we'll find out prior to the release of The Last Jedi uh, Ryan Johnson was announced to be developing his own trilogy of Star Wars films it has been several years since that announcement we made a big announcement that Taiko Walkie Talkie is developing a movie, even though we don't have a date or a title or anything to say about it. Not a single word mentioned about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. And that's good. Let's keep it that way. I mean, I agree, but because uh, I've seen people who say, well, no, it's just still in development and they don't want to talk about it yet. And normally I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. But literally, we made it a point to say Taika Waititi is making a movie. That's all we got, but we just wanted you to know that. We're just really excited and want to brag about it. Okay, moving on. Uh, but there was no mention at all about a trilogy that was announced four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had his shot. He blew it. Like, you, you know where I fit, so I'm in the fuck Ryan Johnson camp, so. Yeah, same here. Uh, all right, that's... In the Fast and Furious universe or whatever the hell it was going uh yeah. yeah just wanted to bring that up i thought it was curious that there was no mention at all of that um so there you go so we've got rangers of the new republic ahsoka Andor, obi-wan kenobi the bad batch star wars visions lando the acolyte a droid story rogue squadron and the taiko walkie-talkie star wars movie I'll come to you in the next two to three years from the good people over at Lucasfilm. Whew! Yep. Welcome to Disney. We can outbounce anybody in the business. They sure can, man. Um, Scott, what are you most excited for? I think I know the answer, but oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm very much most excited for Rogue Squadron. Um, no, I'm not sure I say Taika Waititi. <laughs> No, I mean, ever since they started, ever since we saw Thrawn in uh, Rebels uh, and the new books, and we knew they were in that, because Thrawn showing up was really the, the, the linchpin evidence that shows, yes, we are pulling stuff from the old EU back in. It's not completely gone. We know it's there. We're, we're mining it for whatever. Ever since then, I've been screaming for Rogue Squadron. I want Rogue Squadron. I want multiple Rogue Squadrons. And Patty Jenkins has heard you. Uh, so, yeah. That would be awesome. And I have to admit, I loved seeing a couple of X-Wings show up in uh, Mando Season 2. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, obviously... I'm most excited for Andor because uh, it's where I take my name from. So, yep. This is Andor Kenobi. And, uh, you know, the pun doesn't even work. Uh, no, I'm, I'm beyond thrilled for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, 
I'm excited for some other stuff, but really, if you cancel everything else, uh, I wouldn't be upset as long as I give one Kenobi show. Uh, that's where I stand. I mean, I'd be a little upset with some of these, but man. so let us know what are you excited about. Um, did I miss something? I don't think I did, but who knows? Uh, is there something else that uh, you know the silence was uh, deafening at the investor day? Something I neglected to mention. Um, something you want a status update on? Let us know. Otherwise, this has been The State of Star Wars, Episode 2, Revenge of the Streaming Service. Uh, Moby John Kenobi. He's yeah. Commander Scott. Yay. And until next time, may the Force be with you. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. A Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me That nutty Star Wars bar. Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars. Those here in Star Wars. My seventh winner up here. Star Wars. Yeah.